So, today, we're opening up on the book of Ecclesiastes. Initially, I had thought about moving to Isaiah, but upon prayer, God has led me here to Ecclesiastes. Now, I didn't skip Proverbs and Psalms. I am planning to incorporate them into daily readings, a little here and a little there, because I really feel like both of those books deserve so much more attention from us. So you'll be seeing Proverbs and Psalms slowly coming up a little here, a little there, and those should be nice and short. So something to just enjoy when you have a couple minutes. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes. The title of this book is Kahal from Hebrew, which means to assemble. It also means the one who holds or addresses an assembly. This word is used seven times in this book. It is also translated as preacher. And the corresponding word in the Septuagint is Ecclesiastes from the English title Ecclesiastes. So, this entire work, simply put, is a series of teachings by a well-known speaker. It is said that the author of this book is Solomon, although there is no name that occurs here. There are suggestions to authorship, however. First of all, the author identifies himself as a son of David, who was king over Israel in Jerusalem. He refers to himself as the wisest ruler of God's people and the writer of many Proverbs. He tells us that his kingdom was known for its wealth and affluent grandeur. If you think about it, all of these things fit quite well the biblical description of King Solomon. Jewish tradition also ascribes this book to Solomon. However, the fact that his name is not explicitly recorded could suggest that there was another involved in putting this together. So, it is good to regard the book as one from the hand of Solomon, but perhaps also see it as having been gathered together by later persons, just like certain parts of Proverbs were collected. The book of Ecclesiastes became one of the five scrolls from the third part of the Hebrew Bible, the Hagiographa, or Holy Writings. These are the books that are read publicly each year at the Jewish feasts. Ecclesiastes was one read at the Feast of Tabernacles. So, there's five features which characterize Ecclesiastes that I think are really neat. First of all, it is a very personal book. The author frequently uses the pronoun I in the first ten chapters. Also, while there is also while there is some underlying pessimism of the author, this book reminds us life apart from God is unpredictable and filled with meaninglessness. This you will find as the word vanity which occurs 37 times. Solomon cynically observes the paradoxes and the perplexities of life, and the heart of his advice is in the last two verses. Fear God and keep 
his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For those of you who are concerned about literary style, this book is really disjointed. The vocabulary and the syntax are quite difficult. It just, it doesn't seem to fit into any particular era of Hebrew literature. And yet, at the same time, it contains some of the mo most picturesque allegory in reference to a person growing older. So, a little bit of New Testament fulfillment here. There's only one passage from Ecclesiastes that's quoted in the New Testament, and that's chapter 7, verse 20, in Romans 3, verse 10. But there do appear to be numerous allusions to this book. The author's conclusion about the futility of pursuing worldly possessions is reiterated by Jesus, who said, We should not store up treasures on earth. It is senseless to gain the whole world and forfeit one's soul. The theme of this book, Life Apart from God, is meaningless and futile. It sets the stage for the message in the New Testament, the message of grace, joy, salvation, and eternal life that is to come as a gift from God. There's so many references to life's utility, death's certainty, and I really think they help prepare us as we read for God's answer to death and judgment, which is life through Jesus. The wisest man in the Old Testament couldn't find a satisfactory answer to life's problems through self-centered pleasures, through wealth, through accumulated knowledge, he comes to the conclusion, as I am sure all of us will, that we look to Jesus for the answer. In Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, that said, we're going to start reading in Ecclesiastes, and let's see what we have to enjoy here. Okay, so, chapter one, the vanity of human wisdom. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth for ever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about on to the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. On to the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear 
filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there any thing whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath already been of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. So, all is vanity. The theme of Ecclesiastes, all of these activities on earth are meaningless, purposeless, when they are carried out apart from God's will. We need his fellowship and his love in every activity of our life. We also see the emphasis here that creation is subject to vanity and corruption. The concern is to destroy the false hope that people place in the secular world. We need to see the facts of evil, injustice, and death. We need to realize ourselves life apart from God has no meaning and cannot produce true joy. The solution to the problem is faith and trust in God. This is the only thing that makes life worthwhile. Look beyond earthly things to the heavenlies to receive peace, joy, hope, love. It says, The sun also ariseth. The earth, it appears to go down its own way with nothing changing. Human beings, we can't look to nature to find meaning for our existence. We won't find total satisfaction in it. We can see it as the creation, but always remembering to worship the creator and not the creation. It's not that there are no new inventions, only that there is no new activity. The pursuits, the goals, and the desires of man, they always remain the same. We can't find purpose in life by ourselves. We cannot use our own human achievement to set right things that appear wrong. 
The solution is something higher than human wisdom, philosophy, ideas. The wisdom is from above, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world. Solomon is relating that he's tried pleasure and wealth and cultural delights. He's tried all these things in an effort to find fulfillment and the good life, but these things didn't result in joy. His life was still void of satisfaction. We only find lasting peace, fulfillment, and joy when we are looking to God and his will. I said in mine heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad, and of mirth. What doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water, to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions, of great and small cattle, above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I gat me men-singers and women-singers, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments, and that of all sorts. So I was great, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from them. I withheld not my joy from any I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon sees a temporary advantage to living wisely upon the earth. The wise man has less trouble than the fool, yet all advantages are canceled out at death. Earthly wisdom has no permanent worth. Not really. And human labor, if it isn't dedicated to God, has no true value. What is left of one's possessions after death it all can be squandered foolishly by someone else, left to rot, collect dust. Okay, so, verse 12. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath already been done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, 
but the fool walketh also in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool for ever, seeing that which now is, in the days to come, shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom, and in knowledge, and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity, and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor? and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul to enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For he who can eat, or who else, can hasten hereunto more than I. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom, and knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather, and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Two conclusions have been reached here. Eating, drinking, and working, all activities in life, bring satisfaction only when we have a personal relationship with God and only when he enables us to find enjoyment in life. Also, God gives true wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who in faith please him. We need to see our life as a gift from God. We need to look to him to work out his purpose for us. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, 
and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rent, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor any thing taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart, concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. My apologies there. I'm not sure what just set my dogs off. Let me go back a little bit. Okay. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast. For all is vanity. All go on to one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Okay, so, God has a plan. We know that. It includes the purposes and activities of every one of us here on the earth. We must give ourselves over to God. 
sacrifice our body, our mind, our hands and our feet. We must allow him to accomplish his plan for us. We must be careful to not get in his way and to not get out of his will. We don't want to miss God's timing and purpose for our lives. After all, the ability to enjoy life and to live it in a way where we feel fulfilled, this is a gift from God. It comes from a right relationship with him, from sincere submission to him as our Lord and our Savior, our Abba Father. He gives us joy in what we do when we work for him. In this world, the perfection of God's purposes is so marred by injustice and wickedness. Sin has just turned so many good things. Solomon tells us that we can be assured God's will in his time will judge the wicked and reward the righteous. It is not for us to worry and fret about. I know it can be so hard to let go when someone does wrong to us or when something hurts and we don't understand why God isn't responding or reacting, but God is good and God is true and his justice is always right. We are weak and we are frail, but this should cause us to rejoice because in our weakness, God is strong. And as we see his strength in us, this should only cause us to grow in our fear of God and our love of God and our determination to live and obey his commands. So I'm going to stop here for today. I appreciate everyone who's listening here. I wish I could sit and talk about this word with you face-to-face over coffee. One day, perhaps that shall be. But until then, be blessed. And remember to give your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength to the Lord daily. He will use them for your good, for his glory.